Hello and welcome to One Real Good Thing, where we dive into one thing you can do today to propel your life in a healthy direction. I'm Ellie Krieger. Are you ready to shake up your everyday boring meal routine? My guest today is going to help us do just that. Frances Largeman Roth is a New York Times bestselling author, nationally recognized health expert, and registered dietitian who was the food and nutrition director at Health Magazine for nearly eight years. She also happens to be a friend of mine, and she's going to help us be more playful and relaxed with meals as she shares ideas from her new book, Everyday Snack Tray. Listen. Frances Largeman Roth, I am so happy to have you here. I'm really excited to introduce you to my listeners because I have really always admired your work. I just love your books, your your several books and all the work you do. And we really do run in the same circles because we, we wind up seeing each other all the time. You're also a grad of Cornell and Columbia and a RD like I am, and we're, you work in the media. So it makes sense that we're friends and that we see each other a lot at various events. Um, so welcome. Oh, thank you, Ellie. I am thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to be here. And it's it's an honor. And I feel the same way about you. So we can have a little love fest here. Uh, I have admired your work for a very long time. And, you know, when I was an editor at Health, I often called upon you for expert quotes and tips and recipes. Uh, so definitely you have been a beacon of light in my career. Oh, what a nice thing to say. Um, so tell us about your background, just a little bit about yourself and your mission in the work that you do. Sure. So I actually wanted to be a veterinarian forever, wanted to be one since I was five years old. Uh, and that's actually why I went to Cornell, because they have such a fantastic animal science program. But then I went away for a semester and I came back with a kind of a different mission. And I realized I really loved my animal nutrition courses, but I didn't really like the idea that they were giving at the time, which was how to build a bigger, better cow or sheep faster. And I thought, yeah, you know, maybe this whole veterinary thing isn't for me, but I love the nutrition part. It just made a lot of sense to me. And so I figured out, well, what do I need to do to do this for humans? And that meant staying an extra year and then obviously doing a dietetic internship. And, uh, you know, I went into it knowing that I wanted to go into the media and that I wanted to write, but I also knew it was super important for me to have that, uh, that science background and to also have that practical experience of working with people and understanding their issues when it comes to food. So, uh, so I did work as a dietitian for a while in a clinic out in San Francisco, but then Discovery Channel was launching a new channel called Discovery Health. And so I pitched myself to them with no writing clips. I only had patient handouts, which is kind of a, 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 you know, an unheard of thing to do. But amazingly, they hired me and I worked for them as a writer and then did a few other media jobs and then finally landed at Health Magazine, which was a dream job for me and spent eight years there and then went off freelancing because I had little kids at home and it was just getting to be too much to come into Manhattan every day. Yeah. So, so much of your work really, I mean, your, your work as a culinary nutritionist and, and all the books you write and so on, it pertains to everyone. So it's for 
people of all ages, but so much of it I find is so helpful for people with little kids because that's your lived experience. You have three kids at home and you are juggling a lot all the time. And I think that it's really helpful to bring that lived experience into your work as you do. It is really important, Ellie, because I have to say there were ideas and concepts that I had about feeding kids before I had kids, and they pretty much all went out the window. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how reality, you know, kind of edges in and and blows up your your best conceived plans. I mean, I find that true too. And and I think that's really important as a practitioner, as a health practitioner, as a nutritionist to understand the daily realities, the real world stuff because that's what makes you effective as someone who can help people. Right, absolutely. And every every person has their own set of stressors. So, you know, when we talk to clients or talk to, you know, groups of people, we have to kind of know who they are and that to me is the fun part. Yeah, absolutely. So, your one real good thing, it sounds kind of childlike, right? But it's really geared for grown-ups. So, play with your food. And this is something I think about this all the time actually. Play being more playful because I tend to take a meals very seriously when I'm cooking, particularly in my work kitchen. You know, I I take my recipe development so seriously that I have to like pressure release sometimes. And the way I kind of do that is to say like, hey, just have more of a playful attitude toward it. So when you say play with your food, you're really talking about being more playful with your food, not taking it so intensely seriously, which doesn't mean it's not important and not serious just being more playful around it. Why do you think people could benefit from that in general, that attitude? Well, you know, as a magazine editor, I learned how to put these beautiful photo shoots together, how to put these gorgeous spreads together. And certainly it is lovely to sit down to a complete meal with, you know, a side, a salad, maybe a protein in the center, or, you know, vegetarian main dish in the center, uh, bread and wine and all these lovely things. But when I thought about having people over, and again, with, you know, the three kids at home, the thought of doing that really stressed me out, even though I know how to do it. And I, I, you know, I do feel competent at it. Um, And I think I, I kind of shied away from hosting dinner parties because it is a lot of work. But I think when you when you take that away, take the burden of doing that complete meal away and do something like a themed snack tray or some kind of snack table even, it becomes a lot more fun. And I think it's kind of like putting an outfit together, right? If you're like, you know, I'm going to the Barbie movie, I'm going to wear pink. That kind of dictates what the outfit is going to be and you don't have to stress over it so so much. Um, So color also is a big thing that I play with. And uh, one of my previous books, Eating in Color, really looked at, instead of talking to people about, geez, you got to get more fiber, you know, the 25 to 30 grams a day, or broccoli is just so good for you and you should be eating it more often. Uh, What I found was that if I talked to people in terms of color, just getting more color on the plate, putting more color in the shopping cart, um, painting your meals with color, that was 
a message that resonated, that didn't meet with so much resistance, uh, both from adults and kids. So, you know, now I'm kind of putting all these ideas together. And yes, it is a way to be way more playful with your food. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're touching on a couple different things here that I want to unpack. One of them, I mean, you say a dinner party. I've actually um, talked about this on another podcast um, episode where I, I officially do not like entertaining. I don't like the word entertaining. It sounds like I have to perform, right? Mm -hmm. I love, I changed it and I love the word sharing meals. So I loved calling someone up and saying, hey, I'm making a pot of pasta. I want to come over and I'll throw some arugula on top or whatever. And that will be the salad and it will be delicious and everyone will be relaxed and have a good time. Or I might pull some random leftovers out of the fridge, but not feeling like I have to quote unquote entertain to me is huge. Um, but I think also people need a little bit more playfulness perhaps in their everyday meals. I, I saw this, like, I think it's a meme or something, but it's like, what? I have to feed you people again? And yeah. I feel, I, I love cooking. I mean, it, I made it my life's work, cooking, right? So did you. But it gets, for anybody, the day in and day out, it can start to feel like drudgery no matter how much pleasure you derive from this because it's just this never-ending grind, right? And then the feeling, I think, from a nutrition point of view that um, at I believe in balanced meals as you do, where, you know, you're going to have your elements of a, of a balanced meal on a plate. And, but I think we can get very wrapped up in the seriousness of that and kind of get a lot of stress from it. That if this meal doesn't, oh, does this have 30 grams of protein? If not, you know, you're, something's wrong, but it's not true. Right. So right. we can relax a little bit more into it, take a wider angle view in general of nutrition and stress less about making each meal perfect, right? Because there's no such thing and it's ridiculous to even try. <laughs> <laughs> but so then relaxing a little bit more into it. And I think this is why it's this sort of boredom with drudgery and the feeling of like, oh, not again. And oh, I'm bored with this. That um, and, and that drives people to this trend of the girl. What is it called? Girl dinner? Oh, the girl dinner. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the girl dinner trend is a really funny one, Ellie, because I think people reacted very negatively to it um, <clears throat> because it kind of looked in some ways like it was just a few scraps of food <laughs> on a plate. And that was the only dinner. And of course, certain dietitians attacked it and said, oh, there's not enough food here. This is, you know, this is this is diet talk. Um, but really, I interpreted it as this is something for me. This is a me time meal. And I actually put a few things together, which I never posted. But really, my my family did had gone out of town for a few days. And it was my first chance in a long time to just cook for myself or just assemble things that I would like. And there's something very freeing about that. Exactly. So let's like harness this because and in case listeners aren't aware of this like girl dinner trend. It's just like if you hashtag girl dinner on any social media, you'll see a bunch of posts. But it's basically this finally a woman is just like eating by herself, maybe in front of the TV, maybe with her favorite magazine, whatever. But it's just a plate of random bits and 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 things that she feels like eating at that moment. And it, it's it has a bit of a big freedom to it. And I do realize it was criticized for maybe like, oh, you're only eating like a 200 calories. But if you pull that element out of it, I feel like I relate to that totally. Like when my family's gone and I can just open the refrigerator 
and oh, I'll have I have some leftover broccoli. I'll throw that on a plate with some great cheese and crackers and some grapes and and suddenly I have this amazing meal with a glass of wine and I could not be happier and it yes. could not be easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, I think we have gotten maybe because we're in the profession, we've gotten really in our heads about what a meal is supposed to look like and I think Yes, a meal can look like that, but we can throw that out the window and make up our own rules. And as long as we're still providing those nutritious foods, it doesn't really matter how it's assembled. Totally. And I so this really brings us to this amazing concept, which really plays into, pardon the pun, I guess, plays into this idea of playing with your food and being more playful with it. And that is your new book, which is Everyday Snack Tray. And it comes out in November. It's for pr- available for pre-order right now. Um, Everyday Snack Tray, it's beautiful. And it's all about this trend, but harnessing this trend of making a snack tray, making a snack board. And I think it's funny because sometimes that in itself somehow has become stressful because you have to make like some, <laughs> some meat flowers or something. Oh, like I don't do the meat flowers. No, thank you. <laughs> but I love how you approach it because you do approach it in a playful way. And so and you have dessert ones and appetizer ones and snack ones. But this idea of an everyday snack tray as a meal option that can be more relaxed, be more playful. I love this. Like, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, What does that actually mean to you to make a snack tray a meal? Well, I'll tell you first where it came from and, and where that concept came from for me was that I was feeding these three young kids and I would constantly have leftovers. I would have leftover chicken or shrimp or broccoli or you know, various things. And my husband would say, are you really going to keep that? It's just such a small amount. And I would say, yes, because I don't want to waste it. And they really only eat a little bit at a time. And young kids can get overwhelmed with big plates of food. And so I started putting the food out kind of in desperation in little ramekins and let the kids take what they want. You know, this is more at like a three, four year old age and it worked and they didn't feel overwhelmed. I wasn't pushing the food at them. I wasn't, you know, stacking their plates high with various different things. It was letting them choose what they wanted. And lo and behold, turns out that's actually a great way to feed kids because they like to feel independent in in their food choices. And then it kind of morphed into something a little bit more elaborate because the kids would say, hey, it's my birthday. I, I want you to make a snack tray or, hey, mom, can we have a movie night snack tray? And so I started having a little bit more fun with it, doing themes with it and realized it can kind of solve a bunch of issues at once. For me, it takes the stress off of that whole dinner party (laughs) idea. Um, I'm more willing to say, to, to call somebody up and say, come over, we're having a fall fest snack tray, you know, and it's just fun. It allows you, it allows me to be sort of visually creative, which I don't get to do on a day-to-day basis. And, um, yeah, you can make it sort of as as much or as little as you want. Yeah, so um, you have some snack tray rules, and I love this rule. And the main one is that there's no rules. 
No rules. <laughs> That's the best. That's my kind of rule. But but really, you do have some, I guess, guidelines of how to make a snack tray. So so tell us about those. Sure. So if you are, if you want to take it a little bit more seriously, or maybe you're brand new to this whole concept of making a snack tray, you know, you're looking at it visually. So you're thinking about different colors, again, back to the color, trying to add several colors to a tray, also varying your heights, you know, so maybe you have some tall breadsticks mixed in there with other shallower bowls, or even just kind of dressing it up and adding different elements like a little bouquet of flowers or maybe a little tea light, of course, flameless because you don't want anybody burning themselves. Um, and also different textures, right? So we know that that's really appealing for people to be able to combine something creamy like a dip with something crunchy like fresh vegetables or whole grain crackers. Um, also spicy and sweet is a lovely thing to combine on a snack tray. So it's really making sure that you have elements for everybody to enjoy. Well, that's a great idea. And I guess I should explain because maybe not everyone knows what a snack tray is. So I think this comes really from something that people were calling charcuterie boards. And I guess that's the classic, a cheese or charcuterie board, which is basically like a big, um, usually a big cutting board, right? Originally with lots of different meats and cheeses on it. But then it started really morphing in the social media and people posting all these pictures of what they were calling charcuterie boards. Um, but didn't really even have charcuterie on it, right? They were just starting to make boards with lots of different types of items on it. So you wisely call them snack trays <laughs> or snack boards, I guess you could call them. Yeah. But um, again, they can be, be a meal um, and, and it doesn't even have to be on a board. It can be on a board, but it could be actually, I've seen these, as you alluded to, taking up a whole table at yes. a party which actually that seems kind of daunting to me. So you put down some butcher paper, I guess, and then you on top of the butcher paper can kind of just like put as much food as you can on that, on that paper. Yeah. And some people cover the entire thing, which I think can look great, but is not necessary, you know, and that can also get really expensive, especially if you're, you're using meats and expensive cheeses. So mine tend to be a little bit more, segmented, um, you know, kind of depends on the mood that I'm in. Uh, but I did do one last week that was a table and I put down a not very expensive blanket, but a very seasonal looking fallish blanket. And then there was a board for the cheese and the bread, and then a bowl of grapes, a pomegranate that was broken open so people could take uh, the seeds inside and donut holes because come on, it's fall and people want that. And then a pitcher of hot cider. So again, it doesn't have to be super involved, but it's kind of like a tablescape, you know, and, and really, again, you can do whatever you want with it. You can do this as a, you know, for a baby shower, you can do this for a birthday party, you know, go big or go small, but just enjoy yeah, so I love this. So it it really is like a license for creativity. But um, I love the notion of also doing this in a big way, but also doing it on a day to day way, and then maybe just pulling out whatever's in your fridge. And yes. in, in terms of that, um, to make it healthful, you know, thinking about it as colorful is is great because the because color generally comes from 
produce, right? Seasonal produce is a great focus. You have a beautiful uh, harvest snack tray. Tell us about that one, which is it's great for this time of year, fall time. Yes. Um, so that, yeah, that is the, the fall, the fall fest tray uh, with the pomegranate and the grapes and, but you can really make it your own. So I like to tell people to just go to the farmer's market and see what is appealing to you. So I went last weekend and they happened to have champagne grapes, which are just beautiful. And, uh, and, you know, maybe you want to add some squash. So grab a few delicata squash, roast them up, they're really, I mean, I think I think that they're as delicious as French fries. You probably do too. Um, but it can be whatever you want to make it. And there's also a there's a one called Farmer's Market Tray, which is a, is a little bit slanted more towards summer. But again, you know, a baguette, a really great piece of cheese. And then that one happens to have a peach cobbler, but you could turn that into an apple cobbler for the fall time. That's awesome. That's a great idea. Um, and you also, now that we have uh, Halloween coming up, if we're speaking seasonally, um, Halloween is coming up very soon and you have fun Halloween um, snack tray. And I, I love this idea also because when Bella was little um, and before she would go trick-or-treating, one of the things I always did was just feed her before, feed yes. her before she went to the party. And I mean, it's kind of a good idea for grownups to maybe eat a good meal before going to a party too, because sometimes you don't know what you're going to get. But particularly at Halloween, before they eat all this candy, give them something festive and fun to yeah. dig into. And I used to make Bella this like beautiful, like pumpkin. She loves butternut squash soup. So I make like butternut squash or pumpkin soup and serve it in like a little hollowed, hollowed out pumpkin or something. So that, or hollowed out gourd so that it was special and Halloween-y and that filled her up before she goes and gorges herself on candy. What a lucky kid. Gosh. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the Halloween snack tray, really, it it is to be festive. And again, lots of grownups are now getting very into this Halloween spirit as well. But, uh, you know, we're, I, I'm not a, I'm not the sugar witch. I'm not taking away their candy at the end of the night, certainly checking through to make sure that there's nothing dangerous. But I want them to go out there with, you know, feeling, feeling satisfied, not feeling so hungry that they have to be dipping into that bag of candy yet. So, you know, there are these really fun fruit skewers uh, on this Halloween snack tray with kiwis and melon and they have you know very scary little faces on them and then also i think one of the things that i find so so much fun is just when you can take something that is very very simple like a mandarin orange and take a sharpie and make a little jack-o'-lantern face on it it's super easy i also like to make um had lasso faces on them with a mustache, you know, just go wild, whatever you, whatever you want to do. That's also something that, you know, friends or kids can help with. And then there's hummus on the tray. There are pretzels on the tray. So, you know, they're always so excited that they don't really want to sit down for a meal anyway on Halloween evening. So they have their little snack and then they head out. And that's what makes it also playful, right? So coming back to this idea of playing with your food, it makes it more playful when it's just out there and you can grab what you want. And there's also this element, if you have company, you can make one for yourself 
of course, as we were talking about with this girl dinner, but also making one and sharing it. You're rubbing elbows. You're maybe bumping into each other in a good way a little bit. And there is like a social aspect to it um, that that I think is really, um, really important and wonderful as a way to engage together at the table. Absolutely. And I feel like you know, maybe I, I especially feel that because I moved to a new place three years ago, but I feel like I I want to commune with people more. And obviously the pandemic, you know, that's, that's another biggie. But I feel like um, we need to make smaller occasions to get together. It doesn't have to be a big holiday party or a big New Year's party. You know, just an afternoon Um get together can be a really nice thing too. Again, low pressure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it makes it low pressure when you're like, come over, I'm putting out some stuff on a, on a snack board. I mean, automatically that just like seems to take the pressure off versus saying, come over for like a three course meal or whatever. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I just, I hope that what people take away from this book is that they don't have to be a gourmet cook. They don't have to make salami roses. They uh, don't even have to spend a lot of money on ingredients because I also give tips and tricks for how to how to procure your items um, from various different stores and just make those small occasions to get together with friends and family and just share those special moments because Lord knows life goes by way too fast. Yeah, that is so true. So very true. And so- one element of it that you do talk about is kind of making it nutritionally balanced in a way. So including, you say, a protein, some type of protein, some type of carbohydrate, some type of vegetable. What what are your your nutritional parameters that you just su- you suggest people to lean toward? Yeah, you know, if you can have a whole grain on that tray, some kind of protein. I liked because my daughter Willa does not eat meat, so I like to have something plant-based if I'm going to also have some a meat on there as well. Um and then a healthy fat. So that can be guacamole, that can be a little dipping bowl of olive oil. Um there are lots of different ways to do that. And you know, a, another thing that I want to introduce here is that it doesn't have to be that everything on the board is a super healthy ingredient. You can have some gummy worms on there or some, you know, some, some type of candy that you or your guests really love. You know, one thing that, um, one tray I really, really love because I think it can help a lot of people is called the neighbors are coming tray. And in that one, you go, holy crap, the neighbors are coming and then you run through the house. First you go to the freezer and there's probably a frozen pizza in there. You put the frozen pizza in the oven. And then while that is baking, you gather your other things. So your, your cheese, your, maybe you have some salami on hand. Maybe you have some nuts, but you're the way you present it. It sounds like a bunch of random items, but the way you present it is going to look great because you're then going to take that pizza. You're going to cut it into little bite-sized pieces also to make it go further. Um, And if you have candy in the house, put it out in a little bowl on the tray because that can also be a great little icebreaker for the brand new neighbors who moved down, you know, two houses down. 
Well, that is just a great idea. And it also, it's, it shows, it destigmatizes it because it's fine to have a little bit of sweet on the tray too. Yes. And it, it kind of all, as long as you have a whole balance, then you're doing well nutritionally. You know, it's fine. I would personally choose some dark chocolate almond bark with maybe a little sea Yum. salt on it, you know? So if I'm coming over, that's <laughs> okay. That's what I'm going to okay. have. Or if you come to me, that's what I'm going to have on mine. But, um, but this is just fantastic. I feel like it's a, just a light up way to make a meal, to entertain people. It takes the pressure off. It is definitely a way to play with your food and take sort of the doldrums out of it. And the book is just wonderful. It's called Everyday Snack Tray, and it's from Francis Largeman Roth. And um, I, I recommend checking it out. And also, Francis, where can we all find out more about you? Oh, folks can go to francislargemanroth.com or they can check me out on social media at Francis L. Roth RD. Well, thank you so much for being here and for encouraging us to play. Gotta love it. Ellie, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. I hope you're inspired to try a snack tray as a way to bust out of the boredom and get more playful with your meals. See you next time for another One Real Good Thing.